Welcome back to the Hemingway List Podcast. It's book 15, it's chapter 3, and it's time to have a discussion. What do you think of Sonia's reaction? Oh, sorry, what do you think Sonia's reaction will be to the burgeoning friendship between Natasha and Maya? How do you think the Countess will fare without Natasha by her side? Four lost souls in a bowl says, Great, now I'm worried that Natasha's going to die of malnutrition or something like that. FDLP says, Amidst this chapter of physical and emotional healing, good to see Maya receiving affectionate touch that neither old nor young Bolkonski gave her. Natasha gave her a hug and started kissing her on the hands and face. Princess Maya felt embarrassed, though this demonstration of emotion gave her great pleasure. Yeah, I like this friendship between Natasha and Maya. It's sweet. And even though they're both obviously very, very sad, it's nice that they've kind of got each other. It's nice for Maya, especially, I think, um, because of just, you know, Natasha has all her siblings and friends, well, not all her siblings anymore, but you know what I mean. And um, she's got Sonia. (coughs) Maya just kind of didn't have anyone. Quick one tonight, so I'll read you chapter four. It goes like this. After the... Oh, wait. Am I up to the right chapter? Let me just double check this. Uh, oh, sugar. Yes, uh, chapter four. After the encounter at Vyazma, where Kutuzov had been unable to hold back his troops in their anxiety to overwhelm and cut off the enemy, and so on, the father movement of the fleeing French and of the Russians who pursued them continued as far as Krasnoe without a battle. The flight was so rapid that the Russian army pursuing the French could not keep up with them. Cavalry and artillery horses broke down and the information received off the movements of the French was never reliable. The men in the Russian army were so worn out by this continuous marching at the rate of 27 miles a day that they could go, not go any faster. To realise the degree of exhaustion of the Russian army, is, it is only necessary to grasp clearly the meaning of the fact that while not losing more than 5,000 killed and wounded after Tarutino and less than 100 prisoners, the Russian army, which left that place 100,000 strong, reached Krasnoe with only 50,000. The rapidity of the Russian pursuit was just as destructive to our army as the flight of the French was to theirs. The only difference was that the Russian army moved voluntarily, with no such threat of destruction, as hung over the French, and that the sick Frenchmen were left behind in enemy hands, while the sick Russians left behind were among their own people. The chief cause of the wastage of Napoleon's army was the rapidity of its movement, and a convincing proof of this in the corresponding decrease of the Russian army. Kutuzov, as far as was in his power, instead of trying to check the movement of the French, as was desired in Petersburg and by the Russian army generals, directed his whole whole activity here, as he had done at Tarutino and Vyazma, to hastening it on while easing the movement of our army. But besides this, since the exhaustion and enormous diminution of the diminution of the army caused by the rapidity of the advance had become evident another reason for slackening the pace and delaying presented itself to Kutuzov the aim of the Russian army was to pursue the French the road the French would take was unknown and so the closer our troops trod on their heels the greater distance they had to cover 
Only by following at some distance could one cut across the zigzag path of the French. All the artful manoeuvres suggested by our generals meant fresh movement of the army and a lengthening of its marches, whereas the only reasonable aim was to shorten those marches. To that end, Kutuzov's activity was directed during the whole campaign from Moscow to Vilna, not casually or intermittently, but so consistently that he never once deviated from it. Kutuzov felt and knew, not by reasoning or science, but with the whole of his Russian being, what every Russian soldier felt, that the French were beaten, that the enemy was flying and must be driven out. But at the same time, he, like the soldiers, realised all the hardship of this march, the rapidity of which was unparalleled for such a time of the year. But to the generals, especially the foreign ones in the Russian army, who wished to distinguish themselves, to astonish somebody, and for some reason to capture a king or a duke, it seemed that now, when any battle must be horrible and senseless, was the first, the very time to fight and conquer somebody. Kutuzov merely shrugged his shoulders when one after another they presented projects of manoeuvres to be made with those soldiers, ill-shod, insufficiently clad and half-starved, who within a month and without fighting a battle had dwindled to half their number, and who at the best in the flight continued would to have go would to go what and who at the best if the flight continued would have to go a greater distance than they had already traversed before they reached the frontier this longing to distinguish themselves to maneuver to overthrow and to cut off showed itself particularly whenever the russians stumbled on the french army so it was at krasnoe where they expected to find one of the three French columns and stumbled instead on Napoleon himself and 16,000 men. Despite all Kutuzov's efforts to avoid that ruinous encounter and to preserve his troops, the massacre of the broken mob of French soldiers by worn-out Russians continued at Krasnoe for three days. Toll wrote a dis- disposition, the first column will march to, to so-and-so, etc., and as usual nothing happened in accord with the disposition, Prince Eugene of Wattenberg fired from over a hill over the French crowds that were running past and demanded reinforcements which did not arrive. The French, avoiding the Russians, dispersed and hid themselves in the forest by night, making their way round as best they could and continued their fight. Milorodovich, who said he did not want to know anything but the commissariat affairs of his detachment and could never be found when he wanted that Chevalier sans pur et sans reproche, knight without fear and without reproach, as he styled himself, who was fond of parleys with the French, sent envoys demanding their surrender, wasted time, and did not do what he was ordered to do. I give you that column, lads, he said, riding up to the troops and pointing out the French to the cavalry, and the cavalry, with spurs and sabres urging on horses, could, that could scarcely move, trotted with much effort to the column, presented to them, that is to say to a crowd of Frenchmen, stark with cold frostbitten and starving, and the column that had been presented to them threw down its arms and surrendered as it had long been anxious to do. At Krasdowie they took 26,000 prisoners, several hundred cannon and a stick called a marshal's staff, and disputed as to who had distinguished himself and were pleased with their achievement, though they much regretted not having taken Napoleon, or at least a marshal, or a hero of some sort, 
and reproached one another and especially Kutuzov for having failed to do so. These men carried away by their passions were but blind tools of the most melancholy law of necessity, but considered themselves heroes and imagined that they were accomplishing a most noble and honourable deed. They blamed Kutuzov and said that from the very beginning of the campaign he had prevented their vanquishing Napoleon, that he thought of nothing but satisfying his passions and would not advance from the linen factories because he was comfortable there, that at Krasnoe he checked the advance because on learning that Napoleon was there he had quite lost his head, and that it was probable that he had an understanding with Napoleon and had been bribed by him, and so on and so on. Not only did his contemporaries carried, a, carried away by their passions talk in this way, but posterity and history have acclaimed Napoleon as grand, while Kutuzov is described by foreigners as a crafty, dissolute, weak old courtier, and by Russians as something indefinite, a sort of puppet, useful only because he had a Russian name. Alright, there we go. Good chapter for you. Thanks for listening. I'll see you tomorrow.